comes from Luke, the 15th chapter, 11 through 32, and we take this from the Common English Bible. Jesus said, A certain man had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. Then the father divided his estate between them. Soon afterward, the younger son gathered everything together and took a trip to a land far away. There he wasted his wealth through extravagant living. When he had used up his resources, a severe food shortage arose, and in that country, and he had been, and he had began to be in need. He hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed his pigs. He longed to eat his fill from what the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food? But I am starving to death. I will get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Take me on as one of your hired hands. So he got up and went to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion. His father ran to him, hugged him, and kissed him. Then his son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quickly, bring out the beast. The, quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Fetch the fat cat and slaughter it. We must celebrate with feasting because this son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and now is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, coming in from the field. He approached the house and heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what was going on. The servant replied, Your brother has arrived, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he received his son back safe and sound. Then the older son was furious and didn't want to enter in, but his father came out and begged him. He answered his father, Look, I've served you all these years, and I've never disobeyed your instructions. Yet you've never given me as much as a young goat, so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours returned after gobbling up your estate on prostitutes, you slaughtered and fattened calf for him. Then his father said, Son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But he had to celebrate and be glad because his brother of yours was dead and is alive. We lost. He was lost and is now found. This is the word of God for the people of God. Praise be to God His word. Thanks, Frank. Friends, please pray with me and for me. Holy Spirit, we are beginning the journey of Lent once again. This wilderness journey, this journey of returning to you, seeking you. Give us hearts and minds to hear 
and give me words to speak that reflect who you are. Amen. Forgiveness. It sounds so simple. We tell our kids, or we were told as kids, to apologize, and that's that. You say, I forgive you, case closed. And yet, as we go along in life, those hurts, those betrayals, those disappointments, they start to add up. And forgiveness has just become so dang difficult. Because forgiveness takes our head to acknowledge a pain that has caused, or a pain that we have caused. And it takes our heart to release it, or in some cases, confess to it. And as humans, we struggle to use both our heads and hearts in the same way. A few years ago, I asked my friends on social media how they define forgiveness, and here's what they said. Accepting and acknowledging the other person's regret in order to be able to move on. A path for self-healing relinquishing the anger and negative emotions of a wrong committed against me and developing positive emotions and behaviors towards the person at fault. A long process, but one that is necessary for the spirit to heal. Letting go of a burden that was never yours to begin with. A willingness to forget. Something I don't owe anyone, it's a gift if anything. A buzzword used by people who hurt other people in order to absolve their guilt. Giving up hope that the past could be any different. Something I do for myself to give myself peace. It's a form of self-care. A daily experience. Even when you go through it, the emotions come back and you have to work through it again. Choosing not to hold something against another or oneself. It's choosing mercy instead of retributive justice. Rehumanizing the offender. Bringing my focus to the human reasons for the harm so that the anger can soften and I can heal. Not forgetting, not allowing it to repeat or continue, learning from what hurts me so that I can care for myself better in the future with the wisdom gained from the hurt. You may agree with some of those. I hope you agree with at least parts of some of those. And you may disagree with some of those, or at least parts of some of those. And you might not be sure on some. I'm hoping they at least made you think, because they did for me. That's because forgiveness has layers to it. Layers that we don't often realize. Friends, Jesus tells us we have to forgive people not just 70 times, but 70, yes, Miss Jones, 70 times seven. Because forgiveness is a process, a practice. 
and maybe I'm wrong, I'll just call myself out on this, but I'm thinking I'm not alone. I don't think this forgiveness process is something that comes naturally to most of us. Because I think we tend to think of forgiveness as a transaction. And that can be that childhood experience in a way. Somebody says, I'm sorry, I did this and this and this, and you say, I forgive you, done deal, move forward. Well, as we continue on our journey, we discover that's not usually how things go. We discovered these layers to forgiveness. And that's even in our story that Frank read today. You know, sometimes um, in the Bible, especially with Jesus's parables, um, which granted aren't necessarily about historical people, but we see just a few sentences about an event that would have taken place a long, long time ago that was filled with humans who were experiencing the full gamut of emotions. And at the end of our story today, we see how remarkably forgiving the Father was. And that is how God is. 100%, if that's the one thing you hear today, that's how God is. But let's also consider the human side of this father. How might have he been feeling when his son first ran off? Now, again, at the end, we see this father forgive, running, sprinting, making a fool of himself going toward this son. That is the character of God, 100%. That's who the father is representing in this parable. But if we look at the human element of the father, consider who he, if he was a real person, what might have really been going on, forgiveness has some extra elements we have to consider. And then we got these, the relationship between these two brothers, holy guacamole. You know, it's really easy and we tend to hate on this older brother for being spiteful. And he is spiteful. And he does need to go on a journey of forgiveness. But what if this younger brother had mistreated his older brother early in their lives and had never apologized for it? Would there be repentance on the younger brother's part that needs to happen to really restore the relationship? Or what if the older brother had always just been that self-righteous prick and made the younger brother feel less than? We don't know. I'm not even sure Jesus had these questions in mind with this parable. But what I'm trying to communicate is that in the process of forgiveness, there are messy, complicated human relationships. And we need to be patient. <laughs> and oh, just a reminder, your pastor isn't very good at patience. We need to be patient. We need to be gentle with ourselves as we unpack them sometimes. This younger son, the prodigal son, receives a grace and forgiveness that can only come from God, and that is there for every single one of us, no matter when we turn around. It's a beautiful, perhaps the beautiful truth about God. 
This, this story shows how powerful forgiveness can be. A person who has completely lost their identity, because this is a Jewish man working with pigs. That is like about as lower than low as it can get in this world. And yet he is forgiven. He is restored. He is renewed. And yet when we look at those different elements, we see how complicated a web of forgiveness can weave, even within this small family structure. There is multiple avenues of forgiveness that are needed here. The older brother needs to forgive the father for not executing justice according to his standards. Anybody ever been in that position before where it's like, I think this should have happened, why didn't you do that? The father needs to forgive the older brother for being resentful and for maybe taking time to understand that his situation wasn't, easy, easy, wasn't very easy either. The brothers need to forgive each other for being so very different and probably, I'm taking a guess, each repenting of different things. The story shows the complexity that forgiveness sometimes brings to us. Because within our broken world, there are so many ways for relationships to be fractured. And yet what I think God is showing us is that amidst all those fractures, however they happen, the process of forgiveness, even just taking an inch, which is just all we're trying to do today, an inch toward that process is the path toward healing. Now, don't get me wrong. Forgiveness doesn't mean that we just go back to the way things were. We don't even have to pretend like the past things didn't happen. Forgiveness and perhaps some new boundaries can coexist together. And what I'm hoping for us, and I include myself in this, to learn throughout this journey of Lent is that forgiveness is more than just a transaction, more than just a few simple words. I'm not denying that those words, I forgive you, are powerful. But the external words take time to be written on the heart sometimes. Take time to be written on the soul. Take time to process through our minds. And that's why Jesus says, we have to do it time and time and time again. We're not gonna get it complete in just one go. And that's okay. And even as we go throughout this process, we want to acknowledge that the heart of God that we see in this parable, the heart of God, the very character of God is always forgiveness, forgiveness for our enemies, for ourselves, for anybody and everybody. Friends, God always welcomes any and everybody with their baggage, whatever that may be. God welcomes us with whatever we have dirtied ourselves up with as we were in the, the field with our own pigs, whatever that may have been for you. God has already forgiven. God welcomes you home with your scars. Sometimes we just need to forgive ourselves. 
and sometimes we need to offer forgiveness to free ourselves. Desmond and M. I practiced her name, and now I'm getting it wrong. Info Tutu, um, Desmond and Info Tutu, know a deep amount about forgiveness. They had to live it out again in this process under the most unconscionable ways in our apartheid South Africa. And this is what they write in their book, The Book of Forgiving. I would like to share two simple truths. There is nothing that cannot be forgiven, and there is no one undeserving of forgiveness. When you can see and understand that we are all bound to one another, whether by birth, by circumstance, or simply by shared humanity, then you will know this to be true. Powerful statement. What does it look like? Well, I got an example. Um, Marjorie Thompson, um, professor, has written a book on forgiveness. And in her book, she tells this story about um, the indigenous Sioux tribe in the, in the Dakotas who just had one of their young men murdered. And understandably, uh, many of the relatives have planned revenge. That was until, as the plans were going around, how they were going to execute their form of justice, the eldest male um, spoke up and said there was a better way. He told them, go home. Look over your possessions and bring back what you prize most. To their credit, that's exactly what they did. And when they came back, they gave those possessions to the murderer. And this is what the elder male said. Though he has hurt us, not discounting the hurt, though he has hurt us, we shall make him a relative in place of the one who is not here. Was the dead your brother? Then this man shall be your brother. As for me, the dead was my nephew. Therefore, his slayer shall be my nephew. And from now on, we shall be one. He shall be one of us. We shall regard him as though he were our dead kinsman returned to us. Personally, I don't see how that happens without God. Forgiveness. It's how enemies become friends. Maybe still friends with boundaries, but friends. Because that's how we've become a friend of God. And that's how others can still become friends of God today. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, um, this